Well, it's good to share with you today as we continue in our series, The Message, and look at the message of Isaiah and its relevancy for us today. Also, welcome to our podcast listeners. Um, Since we've started podcasting, we've had over 2,000 listens to our messages from Sunday, um, our Sunday services. We have listeners from the UK, from Russia, from China to California, from Queensland, New South Wales and across Victoria as well. So welcome to those listening on podcast today. Next week, we're going to have a break from our series in the, the, the message series in Isaiah as we have Celebrate Messiah coming to help us to discover afresh um, a new look at the Lord's Prayer. And I encourage you to join with us today. Billy Ocean co-wrote and sung a song which in 1986 hit the number one in the Australian charts. That song was... When the going gets tough, the tough get going. But have you ever wondered where the tough go to? It would be nice to think that when the going gets tough, we we dig deep and we double our efforts and press in and push through. But if you've ever faced addiction or pressure or chronic pain or doubts or fears, pushing through can be easier said than done. It's a curious thing, isn't it, that when things are going well, we can seem content. But when things are tough or start to go pear-shaped, we can start looking for an easy way out. A shortcut to either get the results that we need or to take an option to bail out and avoid the tough stuff of life. Last week, Angela picked up the message of trusting God and the challenges that this can be. And the reality is that amid turbulent times, there is a temptation for us to look for an easy way out. And apologies for our podcast listeners that last week, due to technical issues, we weren't able to have the podcast recorded. This week, we pick up the message in 701 BC. For 39 years, Isaiah has been the primary messenger of God for his people. And around 19 years has passed between what Angela spoke about last week and what we look at today. 19 years. That's the equivalent of enough time to conceive a child, to give birth, for it to graduate high school and to enter into university. And you think you've had a busy week. But today we pick up the message of an easy way out in Isaiah 36. So if you've got your Bibles, then I invite you to turn them on or to open them up to Isaiah 36. And if you don't have a Bible and if you would like one, we have got copies that we would love to give to you today. Last week, the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser III, or Tigi, was on the throne. This week, we find the Assyrian king Shennacherib, Tiggy's grandson, on the throne. Four years after the change of the monarch, all those in Assyria who wanted to bring an uprising had been dealt with thoroughly. Sennacherib was now ready to turn his attention to foreign affairs. Progressively, Sennacherib's tsunami had engulfed towns, 
cities and nations as he moved from the north down to the south towards Jerusalem. Time and time again, like a ticking time bomb, like a countdown to an explosion, word would come to Jerusalem that another city, another nation had fallen to Assyria. About 32 kilometers west of Jerusalem, so basically a similar distance from here to the very western suburbs, the edge of town of Melbourne, about 32 kilometers west of Jerusalem, the forces of Assyria from the north and the Egypt um, forces from the south drew their battle lines. But it wasn't so much of a battle as a massacre. As King Sennacherib and the Assyrian army gave the Egyptians such a flogging that they would soon not forget. Now, attention of Assyria turns. And the army skirts around the west and then south of Jerusalem, where they make plans from Lachish to head northeast to Jerusalem and once again consume like locusts all that is in their path. We pick up the account in 701 BC and also in the pages of Isaiah 36 verse 1. Isaiah 36, 1 to 3, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, King Sennacherib of Assyria came to attack the fortified towns of Judah and conquer them. Then the king of Assyria sent his chief of staff from Lachish with the huge army to confront King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. The Assyrians took up their position beside the aqueduct that feeds the water into the upper pool, near the road leading to the field where cloth is washed. These are the officials from Jerusalem, the officials um, who went out to meet with them. Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the royal historian. While the account in Isaiah 36 tells us that it was the Assyrian chief of uh, Assyrian army and the chief of staff, 2 Kings 18 verse 17 notes that Sennacherib's commander-in-chief, second in the command of the king's army, after the king, his field commander and the chief of staff, the personal advisor to the king, were all there. The chief of staff is possibly highlighted because he does all the talking. After all, he knew the Hebrew language. So against the military might of the Assyrian army and their battle-hardened military commanders whose hands are calloused from the grip of the sword, spear and shield, out comes three Hebrew public servants. Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, the royal historian, with their calloused hands from holding a pen. Now, Jerusalem is not just some tin pot town. It was a fortified city, which was now packed to capacity with people from the region of Judah who had lost their towns and villages from, uh, because of the Assyrian armies uh, moving through that area. 
Many had experienced Assyria's might and power, and they were now refugees. Behind the stone walls, with limited supplies, limited resources, and now also limited hope. Conquering a city like Jerusalem was more of a waiting game, a war of attrition. Rather than destroying them from without, they would destroy them from within. Over time, people within the walls would consume all their food and accounts of elsewhere told of sheer desperation with people turning to cannibalism and anarchy. This was not going to be pretty. We continue in Isaiah 36 verse 4. Then the Assyrian king's chief of staff told them to give this message to Hezekiah. This is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? The message from Assyria was not a a, a question or to convey information. That wasn't the purpose of it. Now, this message was designed to demoralize those within Jerusalem's walls. It was designed to, to sow seeds of doubt that would germinate and grow up like a strangler vine to squeeze out trust in God and the leaders and to suffocate all hope. Five seeds of doubt were sown by the Assyrian chief. Doubt your abilities. Doubt your support. Doubt your leaders. Doubt your ability to hear from God. And doubt God Himself. The first, doubt your abilities. Isaiah 36, 5, and then we skip up to verses 8 to 9. Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? Who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? And then skipping over to verses 8 and 9. I'll tell you what, strike a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can find enough men to ride on them. With your tiny army, how can you think that even, uh, you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops, even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers. Now, remember that we have uh, three of Judah's top talkers going out to negotiate with seasoned soldiers and Sennacherib's chief of staff. It's a little wonder that these three men from Judah are ridiculed by the Assyrian army. Do you think that mere words, public servants, mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? Mocking those in Jerusalem, the chief says, hey, I'll even give you guys a head start. I'll even help you fight against us. You guys are so pathetic. You couldn't even rustle up 2,000 men to ride horses if I provide them for you just to come and meet us in battle. Your ability to face us is useless. You can't do it. You don't even have the abilities, the skills, or the experience to face our B-grade army. 
You can't fight your way out of a wet paper bag. The second seed of doubt sown was that of the support of others in verse 6. Are you trusting? Are you trusting on Egypt? If you lean on Egypt, it will be like a reed that splinters beneath your weight and pierces your hand. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is completely unreliable. Look around. Who's coming to your aid? Forget Egypt. We have just sent them back with their tails between their legs. You are all alone. Doubt your abilities. Doubt your support. But also doubt your leaders. In verse 7, but perhaps you will say to me, we are trusting in the Lord our God, but isn't he the one who is insulted by Hezekiah? Didn't Hezekiah tear down his shrines and altars and make everyone in Judah and Jerusalem worship only at the altar here in Jerusalem? Then continuing in verses 13 through to 16, then the chief of staff stood and shouted in Hebrew to the people on the wall, listen to this message from the great king Assyria. This is what the king says, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He will not be able to rescue you. Don't let him fool you into trusting the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely rescue us. This city will never fall into the hands of the Assyrian king. Don't listen to Hezekiah. Your leader Hezekiah can't be trusted. He makes bad decisions and he's driving you off as a nation into the ditch. If you keep listening to him, then you can be sure that you will be destroyed. He doesn't know what he's doing. Do you really think you can follow someone like that? Look at the predicament that he's gotten you in. Doubt your leaders. But also doubt your ability to hear from God. In verse 10, what's more, do you think that we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us to attack and destroy it. Yahweh God has told us to attack and destroy this land. We hear from God, and I don't know what you're listening to, but Yahweh God has given us His instructions to do this. Doubt your ability, your support, doubt your leaders, and also doubt your ability to hear from God. And if that's not enough, doubt God Himself. Isaiah 36 18 to 20. Don't let Hezekiah mislead you by saying the Lord will rescue us. Have the gods of any other nations ever saved their people from the uh, king of Assyria? What happened to the gods of Hamath and Airpad? That's different to Apple, the god of iPad. Um, Sorry, that's a really bad pun. Um, And what about the god of Sephar Valium? Did any god rescue Samaria from my power? What God of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem from me? Every single other God of every single other nation that we have come against has failed them. So even if Yahweh God did not send us, then just like all the other gods, Yahweh God will not be able to stop us. Doubt your abilities, 
Doubt your support, doubt your leaders, your ability to hear from God and doubt God himself. But speaking of doubts, if you choose to trust in any of these things, then have no doubt of what's in store for you. Going back now to verses 11 and 12. Then Eliakim, Shebna and Joah said to the Assyrian chief of staff, please, don't speak, uh, please speak to us in Aramaic. We understand it well. Don't speak in Hebrew, for the people on the wall will hear. But Sennacherib's chief of staff replied, do you think my master sent this message only to you and your master? He wants all the people to hear it. For when he, we put this city under siege, they will suffer along with you. They will be so hungry and thirsty, they will eat their own dung and drink their own urine. This, the Assyrian chief sows freely the seeds of doubt. Doubt your abilities, doubt your support, doubt your leadership, your ability to hear from God and doubt God himself. But speaking of doubts, do not doubt in any way, shape or form what is in store for you, your families and your friends. But, but if you want a way out, let me offer you a message, a message of an easy way out in verse 16. Don't listen to Hezekiah. These are the terms of Assyria, the king of Assyria is offering. Make peace with me. Open up the gates and come out. Then each of you can continue eating from your own grapevine and fig tree and drinking from your own well. Then I will arrange to take you to another land like this one, a land of grain and new wine, of bread and vineyards. You can suffer and eat and drink your own excrement. Or you can eat from the buffet of great food that I can offer you. Just open up the gates. Let me in. And it will go well for you. Why choose devastation and death? Choose instead a good life. The words here for the terms of peace in verse 16 carry the same concept as the words good news or gospel. You are up against someone that you can't beat. But out of the grace, out of the situation that you find yourself in comes an offer of good news, of terms of peace. Verse 22 wraps up our passage for today. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the royal historian, went back to Hezekiah. They tore their clothes in despair and they went to see the king and told him what the Assyrian chief of staff had said. Throughout history, throughout the history of humanity, Satan has been busy sowing seeds of doubt and offering the message of an easy way out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 and Ephesians 6, 11 reminds us that Satan's schemes um, in order to destroy us and our relationship with our Creator God. 
And we should be aware of his schemes of sowing seeds of doubt. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, Satan followed the same pattern, sowing seeds of doubt and offering an easy way out. Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 5. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes would be open as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Doubt. Did God really say, easy way out, just eat it, and you'll be like God? What could be easier than that? In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, Satan tries this same scheme of doubt and trying to sow seeds of doubt with Jesus as well. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. When uh, he was led by the Spirit uh, in the wild, to the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, change this stone into a loaf of bread. Doubt. If you are the Son of God. An easy way out. Hungry? Just change the stone to fresh, warm, baked bread. You know you want to. And Satan does the same for us today. He does this to us in our lives, in our homes, and even schemes against us as a church family. Satan, in the midst of challenging times, sows seeds of doubt and offers a message of an easy way out. Perhaps you've seen the signs yourself, either in someone else's life or in your own life. Maybe you've heard the whisperings to your spirit. Have you been seduced or have you recognized them for what they are? Schemes of the devil designed to demoralize and to fill us with doubt. Don't fall for it. Satan will call into question, will sow his seeds of doubt based on half-truths and downright lies. Sowing seeds of doubt is different to being unsure of something. Uncertainty drives us to seek clarification. Questions should start a quest for answers. But Satan's seeds of doubt are based on deception and distrust. These seeds of doubt seek to undermine and to white out our understanding of who God is and what He's created us to be, our relationship with others, and ultimately to destroy our relationship with God. We face tough times. We have and we will in the future. And when we've had our cages suitably rattled, Satan tempts us with the message of an easy way out. So for us today, it's time to do some spiritual weeding. 
Has Satan sown some seeds of doubt in your life that are strangling your hope, your trust? Doubting is not a sin, but acting on those doubts can be devastating. It can have us turn to other things or to just give in or to give up rather than having us go to God. Doubting your relationship with God and the plans that God has for you. Doubting that you have appropriate support, not running to others to replace God like in Judah's day, but the support that God places in your life. Doubting leaders, bosses and parents. Doubting your ability to hear from God. Doubting God himself. How will you respond to these seeds of doubt sown by Satan? Don't fall for it. Don't take an easy way out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Whether it be Adam or Eve, the people of Jerusalem and in Isaiah's day and even Jesus. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way through, a way out so that you can endure. So how might we respond today? Are there tough times that you're coming up against? Are seeds of doubt being sown in your life? What areas have seeds of doubt been showing up, rearing up, raising their head? Talk with God about it. Ask Him to give you the wisdom to know how to deal with it. And don't take an easy way out. On the slide, you can see a few different of the the points there that we've looked at today. And my encouragement is, as some music's going to be played, to take some time to pause and to respond and offer a prayer of response to what God is saying to you. Maybe there's one of those areas of doubt that you've been struggling with. Go to God with that and say to God, okay, God, this is an area that's a real challenge for me. Would you help me in my time of doubt that I might be able to trust you more, that I might be able to not just find an easy way out in this situation, but to be able to persevere through this for your glory and for your will to be done in my life. So some music's going to be played. Let's pull out those response cards and respond to the things that God's saying to us today. God bless you.